Yes, I'm a product of the 80s, as you can see some of my video selection sometimes. And is it even correct and right to show Karate Kid on a Sunday morning? You know, when Jesus was here, he did so many things that really frustrated the religious. And so hopefully none of you are frustrated with my Karate Kid video, but I needed to illustrate Live or Die. I needed to illustrate Live or Die. And if you know that movie, you know, obviously it's just Hollywood. But the guy in the yellow vest, he wanted to kill Danielson. And Daniel's son, you know, as in every Karate Kid, of course, is getting beat, but then he finally realizes what he needs to do to win, right? And as he does, he had an opportunity to do what the other guy wanted to do to him, live or die. And he chose life. We're in a theme called gifted this morning. Gifted, having exceptional, exceptional talent, ability. And just to be nice to Google, and because of our series, we decided to add spiritual talent and ability. And the thing that we don't understand sometimes, and we are going to get into Galatians this morning, but we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And I apologize, I don't have any fruit to give away, but we are going to start with fruit this morning. But we don't realize every day those words, live or die, apply to all of us. And we are living or we are dying. For every situation, you choose life, you choose death. For every conversation, you choose life, you choose death. For every car ride, for every job, every single thing that we do, every single day, everywhere we go, it's life or we're death. We're speaking life or we're speaking death. I'm making life choices or I'm making bad choices. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. It's not, ah, I feel like I'm in-betweening today. You can't in-betweeny today. You are living or you are dying this morning. Live or die. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 16. And it says this. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. Verse 22, as we saw last week, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed, nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and they have crucified him there. Verse 25, since we're living by the Spirit, let us then Follow the Spirit's leading every part of our life. Let us not become conceited. Turn your neighbor and say, are you conceited? I hope not. <laughs> it says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope you're not jealous. Whew. You know what amazes me? 2,000 years ago. Now, I look around today, and I know human nature because I am one, right? I've lived 47 years on this wonderful, beautiful planet, and most of it in Hemet because we're just so blessed <coughs> to be in Hemet here, right? 
But as we look at human nature, and we see it kind of, I love where, where Paul ends there with being conceited and jealous. I'm thinking 2,000 years ago, they didn't have cars. They didn't have, yes, there was a few people with money and few nice, you know, palaces, but it's nothing like today. It's nothing like the mass amounts of, you know, wealthy people. The amount of money that gets given to athletes, millions. These guys make 40, 60, 80 million a year. Back then, they didn't have that kind of money, right? And so how was there such jealousy? How was there conceit back then? And you see that human nature, 2,000 years later, we have not changed. There are believers and non-believers who are still conceited. There are believers and non-believers who are still jealous. Now, a question I have for you this morning. Are you tired? Are you tired? Now, most of us would say, yeah. I could be a little tired. I did not get enough sleep or I did not get enough coffee, which is a good time for a break right here. So good. If we were to ask ourselves, why am I tired? Most common answer would be, because I didn't get enough sleep, right? Now, interestingly enough, that's incorrect. You're not tired because you didn't get enough sleep. We're all tired because there's a war inside. What did Paul just say to the Galatians? There is a war between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. And so for every situation, remember, as we're going through, live or die, man, live or die. As we're going through the talk today, as we're going through this thought, everything goes back to live or die. The flesh or the spirit. The flesh or the spirit. Constantly. Paul said constantly. Turn your neighbor and say constantly, which means all the time. 24 hours, seven days a week. Because there's this war inside, the flesh wants to make its own decisions. The flesh would like to say what it wants to say. The flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And then you have the Holy Spirit on the other side trying to say a few things, trying to get a few words in. And then you have the Holy Spirit trying to direct a constant battle, a constant battle. And then you have the fruit of the Spirit. Turn to your name and say, ah, the fruit of the Spirit. That's so sweet. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, how many of us in here this morning exercise all of these things all the time? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, in our flesh, no matter how hard we try, we ain't going to get there. No matter what we do, no matter how much we try, have we ever said to ourselves, it's just too hard. It's just too difficult. I just can't get this. I just can't get there. I don't want to get there, what God's asking me to do. And the, and the statements that we're making, it's all correct because on our own, you can't and I cannot. We can't get there on our own. The fruit of the Spirit, what God is asking us to do to move in the Spirit, to be moved by His gifts, can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to illustrate that this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. And I have to say, 
You know, when God and I'm praying and I'm asking for what story to read, God has, to me, he has the biggest sense of humor. This is not a happy story by any means. This is, this is horrible. It's horrific. It ends in tragedy. But as I'm going through it and, and I'm seeing and I'm reading this, I understand why God gave it to me, right? Why God has gave it to me. It's crazy. 1 Kings 13, verse 1. It's kind of a long story. We are going to read through the whole thing. Here we go. When the king Jeroboam heard that the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel. Sorry, I started verse 4. We're going to go back to verse 1. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel. Arriving there, just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, O altar, O altar! This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who will come here to burn incense. Human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. The altar will be split apart. Its ashes will be poured out on the ground. Verse 4. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar of Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, Seize that man! But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position, and he couldn't pull it back. At that same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar. Ashes poured out. Just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord, the king cried out to the man of God, Please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand. So the man of God prayed to the Lord, and the king's hand was restored, and he could move it again. Verse 7. The king said to the man of God, Come to the palace with me, and I'll have something to eat. I'll give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, Even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. For the Lord gave me this command, you must not eat or drink anything while you were there, and do not to return to Judah by the same way you came. So he left Bethel, and he went home another way. Verse 11. As it happened, <clears throat> there was an old prophet, turn to your neighbor and say an old prophet, living in Bethel. His sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. After he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree, not just any tree, it was a great tree, the old prophet asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, come home with me, eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. Verse 17, the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there. Do not return to Judah by the same way you came. And the old prophet answered, listen, I'm a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. And the old man, listen, was lying to him. What? 
Verse 19. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. Verse 20. While they were sitting at a table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord, disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back to this place, you ate and drank, where he told you not to eat or drink. And because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. Verse 23. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his donkey for him. The man started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. People who passed saw the body lying in the road and the lion standing beside it. And they went and reported in Bethel where the old prophet lived. When the prophet heard the report, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. Then the prophet said to his son, Saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey. And he went out and he found the body lying on the road. The donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it. The lion had not eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey, took it back to the town to mourn over him, and then to bury him. He laid the body in his own grave, crying out in grief, Oh, my brother. Afterward, the prophet said to his sons, When I die, bury in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. What a crazy story. We may ask this morning, why is that in the Bible? Right? Like, this is such a weird story to be in the Bible. The Bible, these people, these places, what I love about the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, man, it gets exciting to me. What I love about it is it's true. They're real. These people, these places, these graves, you can visit them. They are the real deal. What I like about the Bible, God could have put in rainbows, unicorns, roses, and everything could have been perfect, and all the Christians could have been perfect and sweet and kind. But no. What did God put in the Bible? Real people with real situations. Don't you ever say situations? And there's a situation today. And we could say, ah, oh, it's just there for us to kind of read it and just kind of, it's like reading, you know, any kind of book or any kind of story, like watching any show. We just kind of read it and glance through it. But in this story, there are so many very specific things that God wants us to see. Number one, a prophet gets a word, a word from the Lord. Turn your neighbor and say a word from the Lord. How important is it? How important is the word of the Lord? Well, let me just tell you. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. Turn to your neighbor and push him and say the word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. This is alive and powerful. A word from the Lord. The word of God is alive and power. It's, just, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing. No matter how much we try to hide what's on the inside, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything naked and exposed before God, He is the one to whom we are accountable. 
2 Timothy 4.1, I urge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. But I'm not a preacher. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently, one of our favorite words, correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching. Correct, rebuke, encourage people with good teaching. A time's coming, and this is the time that we live in, when people no longer want to listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They're going to look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. This is the day we live in. You need to wonder why. Paul says to Timothy, correct and rebuke. And that didn't sound very nice. I don't know about you, but I didn't like to be corrected when my dad wanted to correct me. I did not like it when my dad wanted to spank me. And he did. Back in the day, he did. I didn't like to be corrected. And how many of us today still don't like to be corrected? How many of us? Now, I'm, I've already mentioned I've been my 40-ish years of living. And some of us in here goes up to, I'm guessing my dad's around 50. Just kidding, a little bit higher than that, right? But I bet you even my dad doesn't like to be corrected. Why is it in our nature we don't want to be corrected? Why is it that we don't want to be rebuked? But why is it in the Bible God says he disciplines those he loves? He didn't say, I only discipline little kids. He disciplines every single person he loves. Does God love everybody? Does God love you? That means God's going to what? Discipline you. Oh, ouch. No matter how old we get, guess what? God's going to bring out the belt once in a while. Whew, thank you, Jesus, right? We love that. So there's times where we need to be corrected. And you know what? Most of the time, it's not when we see that we need to be corrected. Because most of the time, I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, I think I'm right all the time, right? And so it's not when I think I need to be corrected. God will spank me when I need to be spanked. And it happens quite frequently sometimes. And I have to apologize quite frequently sometimes because sometimes there's just a lot of things that happen in life that just fly by, right? Paul says correct and rebuke. And you know what? Nobody in here wants to be corrected this morning. Nobody wants to be rebuked. But from then till now, if God still loves us, does God still want to discipline us? Absolutely. What's the last thing he said? Encourage. Now, see, everybody can get behind encouragement. You know what encouragement means? To uplift, to be cheerful. We could all get behind that. Because you know what? We could start another church that's just a cheerful glee club. Wee, 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 wee. We could just be happy. We could do cartwheels, and we can all act happy all the time. And we can just be put on our church face, and we're like, yee, I'm so happy all the time. And I'm being a little sarcastic, so I apologize. But there are a lot of churches that have adapted the encouragement church, and that's all we're going to be. When at the end, like Paul said, a time's coming, and it is here now, people don't want to hear the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that they're wrong. 
They don't want to hear that God wants you to feel pain sometimes. They don't want you to hear that God puts you through dark valleys sometimes. They don't want to hear that God uses anything and everyone at times to teach us a lesson. Because I don't know about you, the Bible says he brings us glory to glory. That means he teaches us all the time. Teaching. And teaching sometimes is nice. It's kind. And other sometimes the lessons that God wants to teach, man, it ain't so nice. You know why? Because our pride gets in the way. Ooh, turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you're not prideful. Paul says, 2 Timothy 3.16, if we back up just a little bit, says, all scripture. Now notice he didn't say just the New Testament. There's a lot of people who say we just got to go by the New Testament. He says, all scripture. All scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say, all scripture. It's inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. What? There's nothing wrong in my life. There's nothing wrong in your life, right? You're perfect just like I'm perfect. The Bible, useful to teach us what is wrong in our life. And this morning, as we get into this live or die theme topic, no matter your age, you need to ask yourself, am I teachable? at my age or did I think I'm already a master and I'm just here to teach everybody else it corrects us when we're wrong teaches us to do what is right God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work so God gives a word to this prophet a couple things I got to point out super and crazy amazing to me in the story there was an old prophet who lived in the same town, a minute away from where the king was. But God did not give him a word. God picked a new younger prophet who lived out of town, and he gave him a word. And this younger guy from out of town, Terry Abram said, are you from out of town? Hope not. This new younger guy from out of town, he gives him a word. And as he comes here, he delivers, delivers the word. And remember, a prophet. So this is a man we've been talking about gifted. He's moving in the gift of prophecy. Prophecy. What is prophecy? It's a word from God. Now, it could be just a word from God like a message, or it could be a word about the future. And in this story, there's both. There's both. There's both. 300 years later, there was a little kid grows up, and it says he kills all the evil people who are worshiping idols. So what he said to that king happened 300 years later. That was a word. But in the moment, he said, God's going to crack this altar right in half because the king kept worshiping idols. Why did the Jewish people kept worshiping idols? And we're thinking to ourselves, I don't worship idols. I'm not like them. Wait a second. How many nice things do you really love and adore? Worship is adoration. Oh, no, we don't have idols, right? Not in America. <clears throat> See, the Jewish people, the Jewish people were given a God. God hand-selected them, and he picked them. And he said, you can't see me, but you will hear me. You can't see me, but there are times where you will feel me. 
And the Jewish people, at times, when God did miracles, it's hip, hip, hooray for God, my God's the best. But guess what? There was other times where they're like, I can't, we can't, we can't see our God. We can't hear him. Why not? And they would look across the street, and the neighbors down the road, they created a statue, the sun. We can see the sun. Ah, let's worship the sun. Ha ah, They can see the moon, so let's create a statue for the moon. Let's create a statue and burn our kids on the altar. They wanted something visible to worship. And so the Jewish people always got into trouble because they got tired of worshiping a God they could not see. And when they would look around to what other people were doing, then they would start making their own idols that they would make out of gold, silver, bronze, and they would worship them as well. And it would be this big circle. There would be times where, again, where God would do miracles, and everybody's clapping, everybody's saying God's the best. And then all of a sudden, they would get tired. They wouldn't hear God for a week. You know, I didn't hear God today. <sighs> I didn't feel God today. Hey, wait a second. What are they worshiping over there? Maybe their God's answering them. Maybe their God's answering them. And the minute that they would start to look at what other people are worshiping, they got into trouble. And this is where this story picks up this morning. So this prophet from out of town, it's important to say out of town, he had to come deliver a member. Remember what the Word of God does sometimes? Correct or rebuke. And he's correcting and he's rebuking the king. We're not just talking Joe Schmo down the road. We're talking the king. This guy could get his head cut off. Thankfully, the power of God was with him because, remember, as soon as he gave the word, the king wanted to seize him and kill him. But as soon as he stuck out his hand, his hand became paralyzed. When you step out to speak something that maybe is not very nice, God's going to protect you, just like he protected his prophet. If you got to say something that's not very nice, don't be afraid. Speak it. When you're afraid to speak what God puts on your heart to say, that's when we get in trouble, right? So the prophet... speaks this word because they need to be corrected. He need to be rebuked because he was worshiping, worshiping fake gods. He says, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. God, help me. And instantly, God heals his hand and he can move again. And he's all happy and he's nice. He says to the prophet, come hang out with me. The guy's like, no. The prophet in this story, turn to your neighbor and say the prophet. He was gifted as a prophet, but God gave him boundaries. Ah. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have boundaries? Boundaries are places that we're not supposed to cross. Boundaries are words attitudes, actions that we're not supposed to cross. And so he gave him a word. He gave him a gift. He gave him, he is a prophet. He sent him on a mission to do something. But as he does it, he says, these are my clear instructions and boundaries for your life. Stick within these boundaries. I'm giving you this to do. You need to say this, but do not do this. You need to be careful with the boundary that I'm giving you. Sadly for this prophet who's young, and sometimes younger people, 
And I can't tell you. So I'm, again, in my 40s. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gen Z, you know, younger generation. There is a younger generation of people, population, who they don't feel it's important to work as hard. Now, see, when I was younger, you worked hard or you starved, right? My parents and their parents came out of the Great Depression and this, that, and the other, and so you must work hard. You gotta work hard, you gotta sweat, you gotta do this, you gotta do all these things, right? The younger generation today, I'm not feeling it, I'm not gonna do it, right? If I don't feel like working today, I'm not gonna work today, right? And so there is, and I'm not making this up, you can Google it, I'm telling you, this stuff is out there, and believe me, it's, it's real. I found out this week there's a company, that one of my competitors, that they're firing all of the old guys in their 60s, and they're hiring all young people and giving them a very little wage because they want to push out the old people. Competitor. Because sometimes when you get older, you get stuck in your ways, and you don't want to adapt and change to things that are coming. Gen Z, God bless them. Yes, they don't want to work all the time. But you know what? They have a lot of lessons that we can learn. They have a lot of things that we can learn from. And this young man in this story, it is sad to me. This is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Because he's young. He came from out of town to just do God's work. He's trying his little heart out. That little engine, that little choo-choo who's just chugging along, doing the best that he can. And in front of the king, you know what? He stood up to the king and said, I don't care if you give me half your own. Which at that moment, I'm sure there's some of us in here would say, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take half you, what you got. Yeah, you got it. <clears throat> Here's my name, first name, last name, social security. You can just send it all my way. He passed the first test and said, I'm not taking a drop from you. But then he gets out and he goes down the road and this poor guy, he's sitting out by any old tree, it's the great tree. This old prophet hears that this newer, younger, flashy guy came in with a little word. And so he goes out to meet him. He says, hey, come to my house. Now you gotta understand, I think initially, it was all pure, motives were great. Jewish people, they liked hanging out together, but hanging out was eating. Breaking, breaking bread to them was friendship. We break bread, we don't just sit and hang out and play cards, no, we eat. That was their fellowship. It was a bond of eating. Why? Because we all like to eat, right? And so for them, eating was everything. And I think initially, maybe the heart in this older man had a good idea, but as he gets turned down. And how many of us know we don't like to be turned down? Whew. So you know what he does? It says he's an old prophet. He's an older believer. He lies to the younger guy. He lies. And he says, well, no, an angel just visited me and told me that you need to come home with me. Newer, younger, trusting. Believe the old fool. And he goes home with him. The young man stepped out of his boundaries. He stepped out of the best what God had for him because he believed and trusted somebody who was older, somebody who was a prophet, somebody who once was used by God. And so I have to ask myself, why would the old man lie? 
And you know why? Because I think he was upset. Why did God give the word to him and not to me? I think the old man got jealous that the God was using somebody younger and not him. I think he was upset because he had not heard a word from the Lord for a while. And God had to send somebody out of town. I'm in the town. I'm right down the road. This is my street. And God used him. And he became bitter, fearful, jealous. And his actions killed a man. His actions killed a man. His pride got in the way. Started with pride. And all of us deal with pride. So don't, we can't walk out of here like we fly and we got wings. All of us deal with pride. His pride got in the way, which led him to jealousy, which led him to lying, which led him to killing. He did not physically kill this younger prophet, but his words and actions did. So crazy. This is why God is so crazy, because like I said, you know, I was, as I was praying and asking God for a scripture, the reason that popped in my head why the scripture was completely, totally different. <clears throat> but as I'm studying and unfolding, it's like, God is so funny. But anyway, why would this old man do this? As they're eating together and breaking bread, he turns to the younger guy and says, you know what? Now he gets a word from God. Now you're going to die. You disobeyed God. And the crazy thing about this story, which I love, the man leaves, he packs up, and he's probably praying and like, you know, he's probably shaking like, oh my gosh, hope this guy's not correct, you know. A lion jumps out of nowhere, says it kills him, but it didn't want to eat him. It didn't even touch the donkey. Now, I got to think that the donkey probably is more delicious than him, but the lion sat there with the donkey and the dead man, and they just all sat there together. The donkey, the lion, and the dead man. Everybody's walking by going like, oh my gosh, what happened here? And they're all wondering, how come the lion's not eating anybody? They're not eating me, he's not eating them. And they go get the prophet, the prophet comes back, and now, ah, regrets, it's a, man, my actions killed this man. So he says to his sons, when I die, bury me next to that guy. Because now he feels bad. Now he feels bad. My title today, Live or Die. And I'm about to read a few more scriptures this morning. And as we get into these few more scriptures, I think you're going to start to see things a little bit differently than where we began. Turn to your neighbor and say it's going to be different than where we began. But as we think or live or die this morning... And I know it's early, like I know it's early and we start church at nine and, and we're to talk about serious stuff like this, Whew, right? But let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Live or die. John 6, 63 says, the spirit alone, the spirit alone, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Now, this wasn't just anybody. I don't know if anybody know Jesus. Anybody ever hear Jesus in here? Yeah, you heard Jesus? Jesus Christ, born in Nazareth? 
These are his words. These aren't my words. Now, it's in the book of John, but it's not John's words, okay? These are Jesus' words. The Spirit alone gives life. Human effort. What does it accomplish? Jesus said, our effort accomplishes nothing. What? Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Now, we're sitting back and be like, well, that didn't make me feel good. None of my efforts is good. Nothing that God asks us to do, we could accomplish on our own. There's nothing that you can do. If you could do, if you could be the Savior, he would have picked you, right? There's nothing that we can do on our own apart from the Holy Spirit. John 3, 6. Humans reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Humans can reproduce only human life, and I think all of us have discovered how that works, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Which one's more important? Romans 8, 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Live or die, remember? Live or die. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Live or die. Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. The spirit, the same spirit, the Holy Spirit will give life to our bodies. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. For the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, freedom. No matter what anyone says to you this morning, this is the very thing we all look for. Every person wants to be free. But we were born in chains. We were born in shackles. Now, as a young kid, when I was five, I sure didn't feel it. Nope, sure didn't. When I even got closer to 10, I don't think I still felt the chains or shackles. But then all of a sudden, junior high hits. Oh, boy. Junior high, right? And then high school hits, and it's, oh, dang. And then all of a sudden, there's good and evil working all the time against each other. And so every person, depending on which one you feed, because we all like to feed our stomach, but we also feed good and evil inside of us, whichever one you feed becomes the bigger monster. If you feed the evil inside of you, <clears throat> it comes out. Believe me, it does. And if you listen to the good inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit, God's goodness, then goodness comes out. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this morning, so we're going to start pulling things together. We're going to start to end, and I say start to end, where we began. Galatians 5.16. But this time, I'm going to read a few verses that I skipped last week, and I skipped today. For a reason, for a reason. And it says this, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. Here's this, the, this, the part I skipped last week. Hold on a second. 
But when you're directed by the Holy Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what blows me away about this scripture? This is, this is what blows my mind. And that's what I love about the word of God. It's so good. Most of us in here this morning, we know when we screw up. And we're like, ah, I'm over the edge. I shouldn't be doing this, that, and the other. And then there's times there's this little voice that says, ah, don't do this, don't do this. But some of the words in here that Paul used, quarreling, what's quarreling? That's fighting. Jealousy, when inwardly we're jealous of someone and then our actions start to reflect because we're jealous of them. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, I'm here for myself, I'm not here for him. Dissension, division. Now Paul, he puts those words, jealousy, division, selfish ambition, along with the other stuff. And you know what he said? None of the people like that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. <sighs> what do you mean? I just got a little jealousy. I just got a little division in me. Outbursts of anger? I'm sure none of us have that problem. It blows me away, the word of God. Because he didn't just list bad things. And we can, we can all point and say, yeah, these are all the bad things I've done. I'm doing da 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 because honestly, I think the church of Jesus finds herself quarreling, jealous, anger, selfish ambition, division. And Paul said those people aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God either. The story this morning, what blew me away, and this is where God to me has such a, a sense of humor. See, we have a problem in the church as whole. There are a lot of old believers who are passing away. You know, if you cruise around Hemet, the average pastor is 70. I thank God that I'm not that average yet. But anyway, the average pastor in town is over 70. And you know what the average pastor? No way. You talk to every one of them. You know what they're all going to tell you? I'm preaching till I die. I'm going to glory before I give up the pulpit. A lot of older people, the old prophet in the story, pastors in our valley, they are not teaching and training and inspiring the younger generation. When I was a young believer, when I was a young believer, there was a little more inspiration, but there was still a lot of control. There's a lot of pastors who want to motivate you, you know, to be a youth pastor, to do this, do that. Don't take my job, but they'll inspire you a little bit because they're all afraid to lose their job. There are so many old Christians in, in the valley in the church in our world who are not doing anything to invest in the younger generation. The old prophet in the story, he should have took the younger person under his wing and said, that was an awesome word, and I'm glad that God used you. I am so happy that, you know, yeah, maybe I, maybe I live here, and yeah, I probably think God should have gave it to me, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad God gave it to you. Maybe I've been too afraid to talk to the king. That's why God couldn't give it to me. Maybe I've been too lazy. That's why God couldn't give it to me. 
Our world is changing, and you know why it's changing? Because the older are not investing into the younger. Glory days are over for the older people, and now it's time for the younger generation to start taking over. Remember the Gen Zers who don't want to work and they don't want to do anything but be on their phones? That's going to be the leaders of the next generations. And yes, it's frightful. And yes, it's scary to death. But you know what? Every season and every change, it has gone the way that it needed to go. God is not standing there saying, no, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> it's unfolding the way that he needs it to unfold. The rise of technology, the rise of AI, the rise of robots, believe me, they're all coming. Can you stop it? No. So stop the attitude about it. Stop being the old prophet who's angry and I'm going to throw a little pity party because I'm not getting my way. The sad thing is life is going so fast. I could not believe that in a couple of short months, we're going to be in 2024. This is, this is mind-blowing how fast life is going. And believe me, right now, I can tell you stress levels are at an all-time high. Anxiety, all-time high. Depression, all-time high. Loneliness, all-time high. All of these things happen in our world today. But the thing is, as Christians, it should be a little different. It should be a little different. If God is pushing me out to raise up somebody younger to take over what I do, then I should have a good attitude and be happy about it. And if you're in a spot in your life where maybe God is doing that, it's time to be encouraging. And it's time to be uplifting. It's time to be all that God asks you to be in the moment that he's put us in. So my title again is Live or Die. And what we don't realize is honestly a lot of our actions bring death and they're not bringing life. In the workplace, I can't tell you, and I'm not going to, all the things that I hear in the workplace. But you know what? I don't go there. I just kind of keep going like I'm just a person in the clouds, right? And I don't need to join in the conversations I don't need to talk about. You don't need to show me what you're looking at. I don't need to see it, right? I don't need to talk about this. I don't need to talk about that. If I'm working, I'm here to do my job. When we come to church, church is not a place to complain. It's not a place for anyone to have an attitude. This place, church, whatever building, wherever we go, it's a place to honor and worship God. And so many times we get out of our heads and out of the reason where God brings us into the season. Every situation in life brings life or death. Every situation. As soon as you leave here today, you will have an example in a moment where you will have life or death situation. Every conversation, you're bringing life or death. Every car ride. Everything that you do today in this wing, this week, will bring life or death. A few weeks back, <clears throat> sorry, a few years back, in Idaho, there was a older brother, middle sister, younger brother, who went for a car ride. Dad said, it's all dad's fault, I'm hungry, going to town, and give me something to eat. 
the middle sister, two boys and one girl, Dad, I don't want to go. You're going. Dad, I don't want to go. You're going. Dad, I don't want to go. You're going. They go into town, get the food. On the way home, the older brother, he likes speed. He likes to drive fast. And he's zooming down Idlewild. If you know Idlewild, it's got curves. On the other side of the curves, guess what it's got? Rocks. Loses control of the car, smashes into a rock where his sister is sitting, and dies instantly. She begged her dad three times, I don't want to go. The dad didn't listen. The older brother, even though he had siblings in the car, he still thought he could just have fun by himself and just speed around with his little self. But now every day he has to deal with the thought that he killed his sister by his actions. The old prophet in the story had to deal with something similar. He lied. His pride was hurt. He was jealous. And he killed a man with his actions. This morning, do you see, and maybe you don't, that your actions are actually hurting people? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a bold statement because you have to pretty much make sure that you are imitating Jesus in everything, in every way. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. But are our actions this morning, are we bringing more life or death? Could we say with everything within us that everywhere we go and everything that we do 24-7, I walk like Jesus walk, I talk like Jesus talk. And if not, you know what that means? I got some room to grow. It's not a thing to be upset about. It's not a thing to be depressed about. But this morning, you should take some motivation. As Paul said, the Word of God, yes, there's times of encouragement, and there's times where it feels good, and there's other times where maybe I need a little rebuking and I need a little spanking, no matter my age. Most of the time, through our relationship and through everything that we go through, it's not me, it's you. It's not me, it's you. It's not me, it's you. When all the while, I wonder if God's saying, this is the problem. It's you, it's not them. But how many times is, it's not me, God, it's them. It's not me, it's them. Life or death. Life or death. Jesus said, one of the most important things we do, and I'm starting to wrap up this morning, is we know his voice, and we learn to know his voice. John 10, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognizes his voice, and they come to him. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, <coughs> and the sheep recognize his voice. The sheep recognize his voice. This is the biggest part right here. When we hear his voice, that's what's going to bring life. When we're ignoring his voice, I'm being prideful right now, being angry right now, being jealous right now, being insecure right now, I don't want to hear, it's all about me, it's all about my chocolate ice cream and my bonbons. When we get into our own mode, we stop hearing the voice of God. 
And it breaks my heart that there is a 17-year-old girl who did not get to finish school, did not get married because her brother wanted to drive fast and because her dad, what, didn't listen. And I wonder this morning how many things is God trying to say to us, but we're not, we're not listening. We're not listening. And I wonder how many things God's trying to get through to every one of us. And they're different. Some things are similar this morning. There are things that are similar, but you know what? There's things that are different. Jesus goes on to say, John 10, 10, I came to give you a full life. But we don't get to learn that full life until we learn to hear his voice. When you hear God's voice, you're going to bring life everywhere you go. Apostle Peter, how many of us know this guy was crazy? He was buff. He was strong. He liked his sword, and he fished for a living. So his hands were rough and dirty, and he had some patience because we know fishermen, they need patience. He was a work in progress, and it took three years for that work to be in progress. But there was a point in his life after Jesus died and left. It says that when he walked down the road, his shadow if it touched a sick person, they were instantly healed. How did Peter get to that point? It's because he started listening to the voice three years before. Jesus came to give you a full life, and it starts by listening to his voice. Every interaction, every relationship, every conversation, every job, everything that we do, everywhere we go, it's life or death. Where do we find that life? By listening to the voice. By listening to the voice. Luke 11, 9 says this. And I tell you, keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? That sounds like fun. If they ask for an egg, you're going to give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so this morning as we wrap up and we get ready to go home, next week we will finish Gifted, and I'm super excited about the next thing that God's given me. We've been in this thing called Gifted, exceptional physical spiritual talent. As all of you have, you all have spiritual gifts and talent that you are an exceptional person. God put you together well. God gave you so many wonderful, talented, amazing things that he put inside of you. You are a gifted person. With those gifts, learning how to use those gifts, we find purpose. We find meaning. We help people. That's what God's put us here to do. The two greatest commandments, love God with all the heart, mind, and soul. Secondly, what was it? Love our neighbor as ourselves. We got the first one down. We all can love God because we don't want to go to hell. But that loving our neighbor as ourselves, woo, that's where it gets a little sticky sometimes. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like the way you look at me. I don't like that side eye. I don't like this. I don't like that. That's not, Jesus didn't say, no, 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 no. Love me with all your heart and love them with all your heart. Watch your actions, watch your attitude. And so as we get ready to close Gifted, 
It's about recognizing I have a need. I have a need. What is that need? It's to move in the, what God's given to me. How many of us like being best buddies and having friends? How many of us like doing good things and nice things for people? How many of us like the, the feeling of accomplishing something and having a purpose and I'm the reason? The spiritual life dominates the physical life. And if we're not walking in the spirit and listening to the spirit, you're never going to find what you're looking for. Gifted. You're gifted for a reason. You're gifted for a reason. You're gifted for a reason. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're gifted for a reason. And today it's life or death because what we do next Sunday is life-changing. And the last part of our theme here, it's life-changing. But life or death needs to be a shaky experience because if we were to walk out of here and there was a lion to kill any one of us, that's life or death. If you were to get in your car and make a right turn and somebody loses control and runs into you and kills you, it's life or death. And it could happen at any moment in life. One bad choice and any one of us could be gone. Not even from the way that we drive. And driving's just like our attitudes. Most of us think I drive pretty darn good. Right? But it's the other drivers. Those other drivers. Whew, who taught them to drive? Who taught them to use the gas pedal and brake like that? Right? I'm sure none of us have ever said that. At any moment, any car, any person can lose control of their life and accidentally take yours. Like the old prophet in the story, he lost control of his life. He lost control of his attitude. And I have to ask this morning, I wonder how many people our actions and attitudes have brought death to a situation because I'm just in the wrong place. Mentally, physically, spiritually. Life or death. God needs sometimes to shake us this morning and to understand it is a life or death situation right now. We do not have that much more time, whether we're here 10, 20, 30 years, maybe a week. We do not have that much time on this earth. But the time that we have, it is extremely important to get this. It's so important because your life depends on it. Everyone in your life depends on this, what we're talking about. Depends on it. And so as we close this morning, as we wrap up and we walk out, here is the parting thought. How many of you can remember one of the, the latest news stories? How many of you can remember a recent score in a game? How many of you can remember what your last paycheck was? So the most important question, what's the last Bible verse you remember reading? There's a lot of things we remember. Scores, games, life, friends, digits. Do you remember the last verse you read? And if you don't, you're not going to know the voice unless you pick up the place that has it. It's right here.